Praise God. Will you turn with me this morning to Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, please? Praise the Lord. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Beginning to read at verse 1. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days. And there was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And Jesus saw their faith. Pardon me. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and Take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all and so much that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, We never saw it. On this fashion. Will you go with me also to Matthew's Gospel? Please keep Mark chapter 2 and mark it there. And to Matthew's Gospel chapter 11, please. Matthew chapter 11. We're just going to read from verse 23. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. And thy Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in, for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Strong words, aren't they? Strong words from the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you indeed for every remembrance of the Lamb, your Son, the Lord Jesus, for his doing and dying and rising again, for his precious blood which he shed for us. We thank you, Lord, that we're saved by your grace. We thank you, Lord, that we're kept by your power. We thank you, Lord, that we belong to you, those of us who are saved. We pray this morning, Lord, that you would bless this company, this congregation, this people. Lord, bless the children and all the teachers there in Children's Church and also, Lord, down in the creche there with all who look after them. Father, we pray you'll bless everyone here this morning and help us all and speak to our hearts. Bless all who are watching, Lord, and who will watch later. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that Christ would be exalted. Glorify your Son. Glorify his name. And may your Spirit speak to all of our hearts through your word. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you turn to Mark 2, first reading, please. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 says these words. And again... He entered into Capernaum. Very important that for what we want to speak on this morning. 
here's something we have to ask ourselves. When this man is laid down through the roof, this man called the sick of the palsy, when he is laid down through the roof, why does the Lord Jesus say to him, your sins are forgiven and not what we would immediately think that your sickness is healed? Now we have to understand that every one of us who would be sick would love to be healed. Or we have to understand if we have a loved one, a friend, a family member, all who would be sick, we would want them to be healed. I have had family who I've prayed for and they haven't been healed and they have died, but they have been forgiven of their sins. And I think it's getting into perspective this morning which is the greater? Now, does Jesus heal? Absolutely, he does, for we've seen it, we've experienced it. But what is the greater? And the thing about it is, Jesus points it out, your sins are forgiven you. Do you know what he does? He goes back to Adam's fall. He goes right back to the root. And so it says here in chapter 2 and verse 1, and again he entered into Capernaum. Now, we want to build a case for why he said your sins are forgiven that all of us might be helped if we are still seeking the Lord for healing or for someone else. And it hasn't come to pass yet. Well, chapter 2 and verse 1 points back to chapter 1 and verse 35. If you look at it with me, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 35, it says, And in the morning, rising up a great way before day, while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place to pray. Now, notice... It says here, Jesus gets up early, goes out and away to pray to a solitary place. Jesus is in Capernaum and he leaves Capernaum. Now that's important. Notice what it it says then as we read down a bit more. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach. Now notice the word, that I may preach. There also, for for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Notice, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. So the and again in chapter 2 and verse 1, and again he enters into Capernaum. is referring back to he was already in Capernaum. He had been ministering in Capernaum. And he got up early one day and he just left Capernaum. And he went and he preached all over. And then chapter 2, and again he comes back. He enters back into Capernaum. So Jesus enters Capernaum after he came from his preaching tour. His preach tour. And this is important for uh, for this house meeting that he ends up in. So in chapter 2 and verse 2 it says, And straightway many were gathered together, notice, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. Here's something we must mark now. So he's been on a preaching tour. He's come back to where he started from, from Capernaum. He's back here, he's in a house, and he's preaching the word again. It's not saying he's healing the sick. It says he's preaching the word. Now stay with me. So when he had uh, come, they've all gathered, no room to get in. And it says, and let's go to chapter 1, verse 36 again, because this is important. Chapter 1, verse 36, it says, Simon and all they that were with him followed him. Notice, followed him. And then it says in verse 37, and when they had found him, notice they followed and they found. And this is important. They followed and they found. This is important for your life and for mine for you and your relationship with the Lord and for mine. This is very important, what I'm going to show you. There's a big difference here. There's people here this morning, and they're going to be different one from the other. There are people who will be following, and they will find. 
In other words, they will be searching for the Lord. They'll be coming to meet with the Lord, and hence they will find. And others will come in their minds somewhere else. Uh, It's on their dinner, or it's on the cold, and it's on whatever. And you don't get to see the Lord. You don't get to meet with the Lord. You don't get to experience his spirit on this presence because you've been here in body, but somewhere else in heart, somewhere else in mind. Here's the difference. Here is the difference. Notice what it says. It says in verse 37, And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. So here's the question. How did Peter and the disciples who followed find him? And all of those who were seeking him, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't find him. The word here for followed after, followed after, is the word kata dioko, kata dioko. And this is what it means. I need you to get this because Peter followed after. It means to pursue. Peter pursued him. It gives the idea to hunt one down. It gives the idea to follow hard after. Simon Peter and the disciples hunted for Jesus. They went in pursuit of Jesus. And while others were seeking or looking, they alone found. In Psalm 23 and in verse 6. Verse 6. The psalmist says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Isn't that right? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now we know the New Testament is mainly in Greek and the Old Testament is mainly, not completely, but mainly in in Hebrew. But if you take the Greek meaning of followed where Peter followed Christ and the disciples followed after him and you go to the transliterate the word down to the Hebrew, it's the same meaning, the same word from the Septuagint. In other words, Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, is the exact same word here, the exact same meaning, the exact same tense. For Peter followed. Peter and those who followed after him. They followed after him. It means they hunted him down. They investigated his path. They set themselves to find. They pursued after Jesus. And this is the difference here. The the goodness and mercy shall follow me means goodness and mercy pursues me. God loves me and you so much. He pursues us with his goodness. He hunts us down with his mercy. To hunt down, to follow, to pursue. It's the exact same meaning and tense here. And it says, And Simon and they that were with him followed after him, after Jesus. And hence, some find him and others don't. Some experience him in the meeting and others don't. And the reason being is because some are here because they pursue him. They pursue his presence. They pursue Christ. They're here to meet with him. That's the motive and the purpose of their heart. Now we're going to get down to the crux of things, the motive and the purpose of the heart, for that's what makes the difference. The motive and purpose of heart makes the difference. For example, all seek for thee, Peter says, or Simon says, but it's Peter. All seek for thee. The word here, seek, and this is important. I'm trying to break this down as as simply as I can. It means, it's the word zeteo, zeteo. And it gives the idea of a a present tense with a durative action. In other words, at this moment in time, they're still looking for you. Still wondering where you are, Jesus. They're still wondering where you are. So Simon comes up, they've pursued after him, they've got to know him more, they've got to know his ways and how they would go after him. 
and they find him. But others have no idea of him. They've had healings from him. They've been around him. They've maybe heard a little from him. But was the motive of their heart made the difference? Zeteo, it means that at this present moment in time, we have found you. But others are sort of, well, they're looking, hoping to find. They're still seeking. They are still looking. Notice, so one must wonder why some found him and others did not. Why are some in the meeting and experiencing the presence of Christ and others did not? So the motive, some wanted Jesus and others wanted something just from Jesus. Some actually wanted him. Peter pursued, he wanted him. Simon and the disciples, he wanted him. They pursued, they hunted him down. It wasn't enough just to go looking. They had to make and reach the mark. They had to find him. Others, well, they were looking for what they could get. I wonder about this Jesus. If we do come across him, if, where did he go? We're not prepared to go out of town. We're not prepared to go past the walls of the city or the town. We're not prepared to go out through the boundary. But rather, we'd rather sit here and just wait that Jesus gives me something. For that's what he is to me. That's what he is to many. Some sought for him. Others sought for self. Some sought the giver. But others sought the gifts. Some sought the healer for who he was. Others just sought the healing. And some sought his presence. But others sought his presence. In the house, Jesus had left Capernaum. And then after a while of his preaching tour, he comes back again. He's in the house and he's not healing here. He's preaching. He's delivering the word. I don't think there's any one of us that if we were in pain or or those who are... uh, ill in any way or a loved one there's not one of us including myself who wouldn't want him to heal I I certainly would but it's not it's not the healing really that does the changing it's the word it's the word the word changes the man The word changes the woman. It's the word that makes the difference. I have seen, in fact, I I was in a a, a meeting one time. We were praying for the sick and a, a lady was healed. Gloriously healed. Praise God for it. And she came back a few weeks later, fit as a fiddle. Really in top form, but angry at me. She says, you prayed for me and, and the Lord healed me. I says, isn't that fantastic? She says, no, because now I've lost all my benefits. And she left me. And there are people who will come and take what they can. They will ride on the coattail and you'll minister to them. I'm talking about all of us will minister to them. You'll be there for them. You'll help them. And you'll never be able to satisfy them. And then they'll leave you. You'll give to them. You'll do for them. You'll give over and above for them. And they'll never be able to fully satisfy them. And then they'll leave you. You know why? Because it's not the word that's changed them. They have come looking something from you. 
And when Jesus starts to bring the word, and it's a hard word at times, you know what? They don't want it. They don't want the changing. They don't want the word that convicts them. They don't want the word that makes them responsible. They don't want it. So, Jesus was on a preaching tour for a reason. And he left Capernaum. And he went out. You know why? Because they had turned Jesus' ministry and were trying to establish Jesus' ministry in Capernaum as if he's just a healer. That's all you're getting. That's all we want from you. Just heal us. That's it. Many have received healings and went back into the world. They've went back into the world and served the devil. They've went back into the world and served the devil. There's many who who have come across and they've been blessed by multiple millions, if you want, of money. And they have went away from Christ once they've been blessed, but because they have found they have bought a home in Spain and they'd rather live in the hot climate and over there it's easier to hide. But not from Christ. God knows what's best for you right now. God knows what's best for you and your home right now. But you must seek him, not what he can give you. Jesus was preaching the kingdom, telling them of God's great and glorious gospel. And he was preaching the kingdom and he was telling them of his death. But people, no matter what, just didn't want to hear and wanted healed. They wanted him to become some sort of performer. Here's what I've written as a last little bit of a, on the top of the, on this little part. Right on the top of your, your page, I wrote it in red ink. This is what I wrote. Some people are Capernaumites. It's all for sign and wonder. Some pastors and preachers are Capernaumites. They don't preach the word, but speak much of a sign and wonder. Jesus was a man of the word because Jesus was the word as a man. Think about it. Jesus made healing subordinate. I'm not downing healing. You know I'm not. We pray for the sick. But Jesus made healing subordinate to the preaching of the word. Perhaps, perhaps some had gotten to know Jesus a little more than others and knew how to follow him, to follow his leading, while others sought for him, and, but they never really knew him at all. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. Notice that he is a rewarder of them. Diligently seek him. What was Peter or Simon? I keep saying Peter, but he's the same person. Simon Peter, what was his and those who, who hunted out until they found Christ, who wouldn't let go nor let up until they were in the presence of Jesus? What was their reward compared to those who were seeking him but had all the healing done? but really hadn't moved into that place of relationship with him. What was Simon's reward that was greater than the others? You know what it was? 
Simple. Closeness with the master. Just to get close to him. You may say, Pastor, well, tell me. Would your reward be that if Jesus just got you a a lovely big building and we all could fit into it? Listen, that would be great. That would be fantastic. But can I be honest with you? Drips and condensation, lights going on and off and all. I'd rather be in a tent with the presence of the Lord than a building that's written Ackabod across it, the glory has departed. I'd rather have him. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-scarred hand than to be the king of a vast domain or to be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. What is the blessing of Simon Peter and the followers, those who hunted his presence? His presence. Notice this. That God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Would you say diligently? Would you say it again? Diligently. Diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. Not seek anyone else. Not seek anything else. Not a, uh, not a person who has gone before us. Not to a soothsayer or a, or a palm reader or whatever to try and, and talk to some departed loved one. Listen, by the way, that's not a departed loved one. That's another spirit. That's a demon spirit you're listening to. That's a demon, a demonic spirit you're listening to. So you shouldn't be with them, shouldn't go to see them. Seek him. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now the word diligently here, it's the word axdeteo. Now I'm going to show you something, because you remember there a moment or two ago, maybe you don't, but I'll just run you back. Those who were seeking Jesus, seeking him, and didn't find him, the word is zeteo, zeteo. The zeteo means they were seeking him, yes, hoping to find, but yeah, well, they weren't pushing out the boat here, it seems. They weren't really pressing on, and they weren't entering in. But Simon and the followers pressed on. Zeteo. They sought him, but they didn't find him. Now keep that little word in your mind. I'm going to try and break this down as simple as possible. Diligently seek him from Hebrews 11 and 6 is the word exeteo. Exeteo. And it's the same word with the little word ek at the beginning of it. Exeteo. Diligently seek him. It means, again, to seek in order to find. That's Zeteo. They're trying to find him. They couldn't find him. And the difference with Zeteo and Ak Zeteo, the little word Ak is this. Ak means from within to without. From within to without. Going to say it one more time. Ak means from within to without. So axeteo, those who diligently seek him, gives the idea that they are seeking him from within to without. So you're in this tent this morning, this marquee, and when you leave here, go out into your car and go home, that would be ach, from within, you go out, from within to without. And so that God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him means that he's a rewarder of those who are exeteo, that means they are seeking him from within. Not just from without. But my heart, my heart seeks him. You see, if your heart's in it, brother, sister, friend, if your heart is in it, 
problem is our heart is somewhere else. Our treasure is somewhere else. Samuel Rutherford once said, Since he hath looked upon me, my heart is not mine own, for he hath run away to heaven with it. From you get saved, he runs away to... He steals your heart, as it were. Pardon the phrase of him, but he takes your heart and he takes it up and your heart's to seek him from within to without. It's all for him. It's all about him. It's all toward him. It's all to do for him. When we seek him, diligently seek him, it means our heart seeks him. Not our wants. Not from without to within. Not from what can he do for me. Not what can he give to me. Not what else has he got for me. It means my heart just seeks after you, Jesus. Your presence is enough. Your company is enough. Your fellowship is enough. To have a, a living, walking, talking, breathing relationship from the heart to heart with you is enough. It's like as the deer or the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. You know, you you get to the time where you you have to have his presence. Your heart is like a deer thirsting for a drink or it'll die. It's panting, it's panting, and it can smell the freshness of the water in the air, and it traces it, and it seeks it out, and it pursues it until it finds it, and it drinks deep off it. And our hearts must be the same. Diligently seek him. To seek him means this. It means to investigate. To investigate. So the heart of Simon and the followers were on an investigation to find out where Jesus got up from and left dirty on his own. And he's away out of town. And they're investigating where is he because it's his presence. It's his company. I want to be with him. I just want him. Never get from the heart. I just want him. I want to be with him. Paul even says that he would that he wanted to be with Christ. I want to be with Christ. Listen, I want to spend eternity with Jesus. I want to spend eternity after this life with Jesus. I want to be in God's heaven. I want to be in God's glory and all the wonderful things that are in it. But I want to see Jesus. I want him to be my view and my gaze. I want him to be that which catches my eye. Jesus, Jesus only. Simon had that and they followed after him. We have to have Jesus. Look, someone might say, Ken, you're mad about Jesus. I am indeed. I am. I love him. I'm absolutely mad about him. I'm crazy about him. In his presence, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. I haven't joy in my life for years then. You need to seek him out. I haven't had a joy in my heart. I haven't felt that love for a long time. Then you need to diligently investigate until you find him. I think even of Jeremiah 23 and in verse 13. And the Lord says, ye shall seek me. And ye shall find me, listen, when you search for me with all your heart. Ye shall seek me, and ye shall find me. Notice, when ye search for me with all of your heart. And then he goes on to say, and I will be found of you. It's the motive of the heart. Diligently axeteo from within to without. It gives the idea of an old Hebraism of being set form or set out as a form of worship. My investigation to find 
myself in the presence of the Lord. My, my deepest heart from within, from without, it, it is a form of me walking, living in worship. Living in worship. Worship isn't just a Sunday morning and a Sunday night. To some it's just a Sunday morning. What do you call a Sunday morning only is a small SMOs and a snow, an SNO, Sunday night only. Worship isn't just about a, a morning and a night. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. Your heart beating for him. Your soul panting after him. Your spirit rejoicing in him. After his preaching tour, he's now back in Capernaum and the people in Capernaum who sought him and didn't find him, guess what? They're back at the door. They're back looking for more. The word preaching here needs looked at for a moment. There's a sister here said a wee thing online the other day. She didn't know what she said. Somebody had said, somebody shouldn't be shouting and getting carried away or something like that and preaching. Let's look at this for a moment. Just here. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 38, it says, And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, verse 39, And he preached in the synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Let your eye run down to verse 45. And he went out and began to publish much of it. Sorry, publish it much. And to blaze abroad the matter. Insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city. Notice this. The word preach, preached, and publish. Preach, preached, and Published are the same Greek word, and it's the word keruso. Keruso. It gives the idea to be an officiate, or it gives the idea to proclaim as the manner of a herald would do. And herald get into the street of the city. They would stand in the marketplace or at the city gates and start to herald, start to shout. Give the message that was, you know, you didn't have your mobile phones then. You didn't have all of the technology we have. They went then. A certain person was designated and sent forth. And they preached as they went. They preached as they went. A herald gives the idea, if you want, like a town crier. You know, they would have rung a bell, some of them, town crier. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. That's the way it goes. That's the word for preach here. It means to blaze it out. Like a town crier. But here's the thing. It says in Mark chapter 2 and verse 2, he's in a house. And he preached the word unto them. See the word preach that's different here. He's not sitting with a whole lot of people right up next to him and shouting in their ear where they're, they're having to wring their ears out here because their ears are sore. It's the word lareo. He preached unto them as lareo. And I think this is beautiful. It, is just, it just shows the, some of the nature and the character and the personality of the Savior. It's beautiful. It means to speak or to talk. It means to articulate sounds and use words. Listen, to declare one's mind and to disclose one's thoughts. Here he is, centralized in this house. Everybody coming in. Can't get in at the door. There's no room if there's a courtyard. Some think there was a courtyard. Many believe this is Simon Peter's own house. And, there's, and they're packed in around him. And he wasn't shouting. He just started to tell them his inner thoughts. Oh, what would that be like? Isn't that amazing? Well, not, 
I was writing this the other day, and when I, I, I was just, I was going through the Greek text of this, and the more I read into it, my heart was burning, but my heart was melting, and I just fell in love with him all over again. Uh, you know, it was like the Spirit took me to that house, and I could nearly see him. It was just tremendous. Uh, there, he's just there, and they're all around him. I wonder what his face looked like, and I wonder what his, was his brow wrinkled when he made certain facial expressions. And I was trying to picture him, I was trying to think of what it would have been like and what those tones were like. But everything he said would have power. Everything he said would have power. Notice here, it gives the idea of the most serious kind of speech used here. He's in Capernaum. He gets up early and he goes. He's done all this miraculous stuff all around that area. He goes on a preaching tour. He's back in. They hear and they're all back down again. And he's saying, look, it was about the preaching, not even the healing. It's about the preaching. It's the word. It's about the preaching. It's about the word, not the healing. And everything he's saying is in a tone where he's starting to open up himself. You see, when you get close to Jesus, when you become intimate with him, have you ever been intimate with Jesus? Have you ever been intimate where you've been in prayer or you've been away on your own for a while and you've been seeking him or maybe you've just been drawn close to him and suddenly... Maybe your eyes are even closed in prayer and you feel if you open your eyes, you're in heaven. He's just there. Intimate. Just to be intimate with him. Listen to this. And if I've taken this and I'm conscious of the time now. I'm going to have to wrap this up. I've taken this from some of the Greek scholars just, and I've written what they thought about the actual tenses. Uh, Greek's different, what's known as moods or modes and, uh, and different moods in it. And I wanted to try and get what is the different mood in this writing here? What, what does he mean in this? What is Mark telling us in this? And one actual writer said, and he quotes to him, and I, I hadn't written this yet, but when I seen it, I went, wow, I, I started singing that on Wednesday night at the prayer meeting. He speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet that the birds hush their singing. And the melody he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there. No mother has ever known. What a Lord. What a Christ. <clears throat> Listen to Listen to Robertson's Greek. Listen to what Robertson says. The Lord spoke to the crowd assembled in a conversational tone. The beauty of his voice, the charm of his manner, and the tenderness and love in his countenance must have come to this group of sick people as a breath from heaven. You're just there and your heart's sore. You're there and your mind's been tormented. You're there and you need something from God. You know, Lord, I need something from you. And you seek him until you find him. And the tones that he speaks to you are love. Listen to Kenneth Roos in his Greek word studies. It says, he simply writes, he was talking to them about the word. (laughs) I thought, that's brilliant. 
just going to tell you about what does God's word say about your life? What does God's word say about your life? That's what you need. What does God's word say about my condition? My position? My reaction? What does God's word say about my life? What does God's word say about me? What is it saying to me? Because it's this that changes. He's not condemning. He's saying it in a way with authority, but yet when it's taken and listened to and adhered to, he changes everything. Expositor's commentary says, Jesus was preaching the gospel of the kingdom when the following incident happened. Preaching always first. In other words, he's sitting talking about all of this with these tones and suddenly the roof caves in. Suddenly the roof is broken up. Do you see the background now to why this is, when this is happening? This is all happening. This is the, 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 the condition and the people are, that are there. And suddenly in the middle of all of this gentleness and loveliness but authority, the roof breaks up. And listen, the, 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 the grass or whatever is on the roof and the dirt would have been falling all over him. They're breaking it up. They break up the roof. And it says, as someone says, tiles with grass on it. They pull it all away. And it's falling down all over them. And people would be, oh, what's happening? And you'd see them all getting upset and annoyed about it. But here's the thing. If it was in here and something happened and the roof opened up and the rain came in a little, everybody would be up and away. And, oh, well, look what's happening. Jesus sat looking at this. It didn't disturb the meeting. It didn't upset the meeting. In fact, Jesus used it to enhance the meaning of what he was saying. Through the roof. Through the roof, faith of those who brought him. He saw it. Through the roof, ministry was that they lowered him down. Through the roof. And the Lord wants us to be ready for any event that we would have through the roof, faith in him. And even if something happened, And there was an upset in a meeting. It doesn't destroy the meeting. You know why? Because we're before him. I have to close this. Thank you for listening to me this morning. I have too much material. Look. Let me finish with this thought. It says in verse 3, there was one sick of the palsy. The word palsy is a word called paralukios. And and it's where we get our word paralysis from. To paralyze from. And it comes from the word para alongside of. And luo means to loose. For example, when Lazarus was called, Lazarus come forth out of the tomb and he was in his bandages, the Lord says, loose him and let him go. Unwind the bandage and let him go. This man had a binding. And it gives the idea he's paralytic. Now we think of paralytic as if someone's been on the drink all day and they can't walk, isn't that right? They're all over. Their mind's not right. Well, it comes from this word for the simple reason is gives the idea of the nerve system. The nervous system has went on one side. And he's lopsided as if he was drunk and he can't walk. They lay him on a bed to get him to Jesus. When Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you, here, this is what he was saying. The greater sin is this. Greater, the greater healing is this forgiveness of your sins. When you get saved, that's the greatest healing you can ever have. Because that's eternal. The man get up and we know, you can read the story again. And he lifts his bed. Jesus says, take up thy bed and walk. And he goes home. 
The bed had borne the man, now the man bore the bed. He who came with his back on his, on his bed, left with his bed on his back, as some would say. Take note of this. The man mastered that which had mastered him. Because through faith he's brought into the presence of Christ through the roof. George Williams named these four friends. Just give them names. They're not their real names. But he says you could call them sympathy, pertinacity, unity, and capacity. So here's what I've written. These friends are important for their friends of faith. So watch your friends. They are moved by your calamity and join with you. Secondly, they persevere alongside you in the most trying of times. Thirdly, they value you. They value your vision and your friendship. And fourthly, they go above and beyond. They see when you can't see. They do when you can't do. And Proverbs 17 and 17 says, A friend loveth at all times, but a brother is born for adversity or in adversity. In other words, fair friends will leave you. But these friends said, We're sticking by you. We're entering in with you. We're going to carry you. We're going to bury you along. And then we're going to lure you into the presence of Christ. Through the roof. God bless you this morning. That's devotional on the Savior. Just wanted to be devotional on the person of Christ. I trust this morning you leave here not only encouraged, but even challenged to seek him until you find him. Even when we're here to worship, that you'll enter into worship until the realization of Christ is, is with you. Tim, would you come up, please?